The CC Way, episode 25, a magical conversation with Dr. Lindsay Matthews. I want to apologize to all the women I have called pretty before I have called them intelligent or brave. I am sorry I made it sound as though something as simple as what you were born with is the most you have to be proud of when your spirit has crushed mountains. From now on, I will say things like, you are resilient or you are extraordinary. Not because I don't think you're pretty, but because you are so much more than that. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, gratitude, service, and what it means to choose strength. We learn how to awaken the inner strength and peace so we can meet the everyday adversity of life, loss, and disappointments with the ability to love everything that happens. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, guardian, and a mindful warrior with an open mind on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. Now, the intro is by Rupi Kaur, uh, an, an Indian-born Canadian poet, writer, illustrator, and performer who wrote the book Milk and Honey, which is where this passage comes from. And I was aware of that passage from my guest, Lindsay Matthews' Instagram. Um, if you don't know, my guest is Lindsay Matthews, and she is a doctor of chiropractic, birth doula, NLP practitioner, and strength and conditioning coach. She's a game changer and a leader. Lindsay started the Rockstar Movement BirthFit in 2011 as a blog with a deep desire to support, educate, and empower women throughout the motherhood transition. She's a passionate believer in magic and love, views every obstacle as an opportunity to learn, and is a woman in pursuit of truth through food, travel, and relationships, and coffee. Her core beliefs are respect, growth, freedom, connection, and love. Now, in the spirit of connection, I want to share another passage from my favorite book, The Art of Living, that connects to the modern poem by Rupi Kaur. Now, this is from The Art of Living, page 68, and it's called, Inner Excellence Matters More Than Outer Appearance. And if you guys don't know, this book was written about 2,000 years ago. Epictetus was a, um, a slave turned philosopher um, in, in the old days of Rome. Females are especially burdened by the attention they receive for their pleasing appearance. From the time they are young, they are flattered by males or evaluated only in terms of their outward appearance. Unfortunately, this can make a woman feel suited only to give men pleasure and her true inner gifts sadly atrophy. She may feel compelled to put great effort and time into enhancing her outer beauty and distorting her natural self to please others. Sadly, many people, both men and women, place all their emphasis on managing their physical appearance and not the impression they make on others. Those who seek wisdom come to understand that even though the world may reward us for wrong or superficial reasons, such as our physical appearance, the family we come from, and so on, what really matters is who we are inside and who we are becoming. So you can see the connection there 2,000 years apart. 
Lindsay, you know, it's my humble honor to host you on this podcast. And of course, in this format, uh, you helped me light the, the fire that launched this project. Uh, now, while talking about doing this podcast, I told you I wanted to talk to strong women, not who you are in a relationship, uh, who you know, what your job title says you are. I want to talk to the trailblazing, extraordinary, resilient, and insightful, strong soul you are. I want to make this episode for all the powerful, magical, and brave women out there. Now, before we use our hammer and fists to shatter the glass ceiling, how are you? Good, great, grand. <laughs> It's a loaded question. It is, but you know, the, the difference is I actually, I, I really genuinely mean it. Yeah. Which I find usually freaks people out. Yeah. Well, and usually I try to give a, a unique answer or like, yeah, I'm really fucking good today, you know? Um, so yeah, life couldn't be better. I'm going to follow up with this question. Yeah, go for it. Without using your name, job, things you did or friends, stay with me, answer me this. Who are you and what are you capable of? Okay, so no name, no job, no friends. Or things you did. Oh, okay. Who am I? I would say I'm a peaceful warrior that's on a mission to spread love. That was beautiful. <laughs> you see, when you take away some of the things that we're used to saying, yeah, I need to write that down. I'm actually writing that down. He's typing, but it's still writing. Hey, <laughs> so the the term, because um, I, I I got the book behind me, Peaceful Warrior. You do. I, I talk about Mindful Warrior a lot, and what does the term warrior mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, to me, it means somebody that's going to stand firm in their beliefs, their values. Um, there's, I, there's no right and wrong, but what is right to me and what I believe in, you know? Um, I kind of equate it to the term freedom fighter. Um, so just being on point and having those boundaries and ha like putting my foot down with what I believe in and what I value. I think there's two sides to that, right? Mm -hmm. There's the external battle. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, there's an internal battle. Oh, for sure. And it's that internal battle that I, that I, I personally identify the warrior part deeper mm -hmm. with the, the internal battle that you have going on mm -hmm. in the dome. Mm -hmm. And that little voice that's trying to get you to stop doing things or that little weakness or those. So would the warrior be more of your soul than your ego? 
because I see us yeah. as both ego and soul together. Yep. And so. Or if Ryan was here, he'd say it's our limbic system, our prefrontal cortex. <laughs> and that's uh, uh, Ryan Monsif, who who's, has the Better Human Project and has, wrote the book, Fabeep Your Feelings. Yeah. It's not actually Fabeep. But I thought, oh, I already cussed on you. Oh, it's okay. That, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, so he talked about that um, at great length in the book, and I thought it was fascinating. Call it what you want. There's mm-hmm. either either there, there are sides to that internal battle. Totally. And you have to to step up to the plate, bang your shield and your your hammer if you have to, and and be a warrior. Because mm-hmm. there's the greatest battle is within. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. That's the greatest battle. Nothing you face is going to be harder and more nonstop and ongoing than the battle you have against yourself. Oh yeah. Like there's things that have, like I'm looking, like reflecting on my life, like mm-hmm. super speed right now. It's like, there's things that happen and you could place blame on, well, I was brought up this way or so-and-so did this to me or this person fired me or whatever. But no, we're a hundred percent accountable for our actions, for what goes on inside of our body and for the behavior that we put out into this world. And learning that accountability takes time. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's easy to, well, I don't want to hammer people that, that don't take personal accountability or ownership of their actions. Right. They may not know yet. Yeah, exactly. And the people that are, which is overall, to put it simply, once you become, and it's actually one of the gigantic goals of this whole podcast, is understanding self-awareness and self-regulation really that's like oh it's that's kind of like the big goals and it doesn't matter the playing field but the self-awareness and self-regulation but to to have have somebody become more aware it's not like you can go up and snap your fingers and say wake up no it's a continual process like practice 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 i think it's also a process that is usually um built on trauma and stress yeah and and traumatic (laughs) traumatic events and all the bad stuff we go through yeah trauma for sure because what there's a quote or something that's like you only change things or you only grow when it's really painful and like trauma is like that acute immediate pain you know and then you know the gradual pain of staying the same one day maybe you'll wake up but either way it's something that's the fear of staying the same is much more painful than you know evolving or changing something yeah you need first of all you have like acute and chronic stress slash trauma now stress and trauma are different yeah i've talked about this uh several episodes ago, a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly what I said, but the kind of the difference would be, um, like in, in my life, the stress of having young kids. That's gonna be stressful. They're mm-hmm. running around crazy, they're not listening, they're fighting, they're getting in trouble, you're trying to organize. Just the daily life, there's some stress there. But it's not trauma. No. Right? But you, it could be perceived as stress, or it could oh, be. Oh no, it's, it's stressful. <laughs> it's definitely stressful. That's what, like, I always joke around that, like... Uh, no, it's 100% stressful. Yeah, it's so traumatic. My kids are the 
No, the but it shows that uh, that there's a God because and and he respects parents. Otherwise, there wouldn't be naps. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but but to go but but um, you know, you're talking about. Now we're gonna we're gonna get into some some of the meat and potatoes here. We're talking about some stress and trauma and stuff that helps build because it's it's the the trials that we endure endure that strengthens our character. Hopefully, you know, depending on the person. But there's it introduces us to our strengths. Yeah. Some people they might not meet them yet, or maybe they never do, and we all know those kinds of people. But for for the for the strong and resilient type, it actually enhances who you actually are, or it wakes you up and it knocks off some of the like a like a big chunk of marble, and you're just mm-hmm. sitting there with a little chisel, breaking away the pieces to to build you know the masterpiece that you are to become. So, and I took some of these words from something you wrote about. Oh, well, no, stay with me here. <laughs> this is gonna be this is nothing you don't know about because <laughs> it came from you. And that is that you said that you've been abandoned, abused, sick, and have spoke about hitting rock bottom to discover strength. Mm. So you went way back in the Instagram, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I comb forensically for stuff. It's part of your job. It is, but I, I definitely I do it out of respect for the listener, the guest. And really, I found that by doing this, it's it's a fantastic journey for me. Yeah. And because by, by going back through a lot of your stuff and studying, and I've looked at all your coffee talks. <laughs> I've even pulled up the, the old skits from SNL. How good are those? So good. They're so good. <laughs> but for example, um, it was one picture that brought my attention to Rupi Kaur. Mm. And for the listeners that don't see it, it's R-U-P-I-K-A. You are Ruby Core. There was one thing that you posted a while back, while mm-hmm. a while ago, and it hit me, and so I shared it in the opening of the show and on social media. But then I started going back and watching her TED talk. I started looking at re- going through her interviews. I go. I started. I, I ordered her book. It was supposed to be here last night because I wanted to read it, but <laughs> Amazon, you got me. Um, uh. But it's it's put me down this journey. So what I mean by that, so I do start doing the study and really what ends up doing out of respect, but it also helps me grow. That's cool. And her poems are fantastic. Yeah. And actually got me really excited about this episode because, and I told my wife this and she gave me the side eye, <laughs> but because I, at a, at a, out of the blue, I'm reading uh, Rupi's stuff and I walk over to her and I tell her like, hey, I'm reading some poetry that's really giving me insight into how how females operate it was you know i don't know i don't know if i said it i didn't (laughs) didn't use females operate but into into females because i found her poems to be really insightful and it was from an angle that i never thought about through poetry i don't know i love it so after after saying that so you've been abandoned you say uh abused sick and have hit rock bottom to discover strength Mm -hmm. so Part of again, part of the goal of this podcast is to leave something, n- not to you know empower uh, not only women, but also to empower a twelve-year-old girl. Yeah. Because uh, I know 
And there are some specific ones I'm thinking about in my head, and you guys know who you are. But there are young girls that listen to this. And it's important to, for me to, you know, to, to provide a platform for them to be able to listen to this and, and be inspired and empowered. Mm. But also to enlighten men. <clears throat> it's another feeling I have that this podcast tends to be, can be a little, like, not biased, but like the last like five episodes have been guys. And they're being fantastic. So here we are. No, yeah, it's been yeah. great. But but I'm going to open this up and, and also really for me to learn. So with that being said, you said you, you hit rock bottom in order to discover your strength. So I was wondering if you could tell me about that and tell me where you draw strength. Mm. So I'm going to go back to rock bottom. Um, and it was very few people know this now millions after listening to this podcast yeah move over <laughs> howard stern and joe rogan <laughs> um but um yeah i was a lost human um and i moved out to california um it's just over 12 years now that i've uh moved i moved in august of 2006 and um i was basically running from things which you know, at the time I did not realize. And, um, I was running from just shit in our closet. You know, we all have shit in our closet that we got to deal with. Um, and when I came out to California, it's like, Oh, we're going to, everything's going to be better. Right. It's not until you deal with it. Um, and I got in a pretty volatile relationship and, um, you know, I was one of those girls that uh, grew up and I was like, I'm never going to get in that kind of relationship, you know, where um, every decision you make is you think of the other first or are they going to be mad or is he going to do this or will he be angry? Will he hit me? Will he, you know, do anything along those lines? And that I found myself smack dab in that relationship, like middle of it and I didn't know who I was I'd lost contact <clears throat> or just connection not even contact but lost connection with the people that were close to me you know from college and before and um you know it uh it took me hitting rock bottom and I say rock bottom because I definitely used alcohol drugs everything to numb out what was going on in my life at the time. And, um, for some reason, um, one of my girlfriends came out from Texas and like extracted me from this relationship. And, um, I moved and started over basically. Um, but I'm still in California and it was, this is the craziest thing was that it, there were physical reactions happening within my body. And I was going to school at the time, learning about chiropractic and the power that made the body heals the body and how the nervous system, it basically is the master of all. But I couldn't get that, like have that resonate within my body until I actually went through this. And, um, you know, I remember looking down at my hands and they were peeling and they were red and it looked like, um, like eczema or psoriasis. And I'd never had anything like that in my life. 
Um, and so I went to an acupuncturist and he's basically said, you know, it's, it's internal. This isn't an external thing. What's, what's going on internally? And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know how to identify what's going on internally. Um, and then, you know, one thing leads to another and then I got insomnia really bad. And for like three months, I felt like I was just up, you know, no sleep, maybe like two hours here, three hours there. Um, and just the dark, like that was a really dark time for me. And that was probably, um, you know, 2007, 2008 ish. Um, and I remember laying like on the floor of my apartment and I hadn't put anything on the walls. Like I just didn't give a shit. Um, it, I was just there to sleep at that apartment. Um, and I remember laying on the floors to the wall and my cat angel who was with me forever, she just kept walking around and like probably thinking, come on, get it together, you know? But for something like it clicked in me, like nobody's going to save you. Like you have to save yourself. Um, like they're there for support for you to call whatever, but you have to make that choice to save yourself. And you know, at that point I was like, well, what would I do? What would I tell somebody that was in my spot? And I don't know how I like started looking at it as a bird's eye view sort of thing, but I was like, what would I tell somebody that's in my spot? And I would tell them, go see this counselor. Like I'd cross paths with this uh, woman that was an NLP practitioner um, and counselor therapist among other things. And so I started seeing her twice a week. Um, and that totally changed my life. But um, I think when I was in that, just laying on the floor of my apartment, super dark, it was realizing that nobody was going to save me and that in the grant, like, scheme of things, I've always had this trust in the universe. And, you know, from such a young age, I've believed in God. And, you know, I would take the Bible to the field and read and just, oh, what, what can I end up on today? You know, in the middle of nowhere, after getting in a fight with my mom or like running away, I would just run and read whatever I could. But I never, ever thought the universe was out to get me. Uh, in the big picture, I always knew that it's, there's good, you know, I have an underlying trust for the universe and the universe is not doing anything to me. It's doing something for me. And I think those two things like for me and I got to save myself kind of pulled me out of that. And I don't know where I got those, you know, like who fed those to me whenever I was young. Um, like I can't put a finger on it, but Actually, I could, but <laughs> like those two things at that moment, I think helped kind of start the fire for resilience and strength and showing myself compassion and grace. And, you know, at that time, I just hated myself. I couldn't even look in the mirror, you know. Where did it come from? Okay, so... <laughs> Another thing I don't share a lot, but since you're Scott McGee and I know you, um, I had a pretty gnarly outer body experience um, when I was in fourth grade. And I grew up with asthma really bad. Um, and I've done a lot of work on investigating my birth and how I came into this world 
go figure, um, <laughs> since it's part of the work I do in this world. And I was brought into this world a month early. I was fed soy formula, um, threw up every day. Like, And if you go back and um, there's a lot that's related to how our ego develops and how we're socialized as humans within that whole first year of um, our life on earth. And um, I know that greatly influenced me. And, you know, trying to identify or figure out if I'm safe, if I'm supposed to be here, that's where I, I look back and see the first year of life as, okay, um, you know, the, I, I didn't know if I was safe because, you know, I was hanging out on breathing tubes all the time. Um, but carry that on, you know, into grade school, I was you know, the kid with the inhaler and the breathing machines. And I would go to the nurse's office at, you know, the drop of a hat if there was any wheezing and I would do a breathing machine there. And it was just a pain in my ass, you know, as a kiddo. Mm. Um, but anyways, fourth grade came around and I had a gnarly asthma attack. And I was, um, I remember being in the car and, um, my mom, I was in the front seat, my mom was driving and my brother and sister were in the back seat and we dropped them off at school. And, you know, I was sick, I had a cold, so I was staying home from school and she goes, is it okay if we drop them off at school first? Can you make it that long? And then we'll go to the doctor or whatever. And I was thinking, I think so, you know, but as a fourth grader, I'm like, well, actually, I don't know if I can make it that long. And then she told me that my lips started turning blue. The next thing I know, we're at the hospital, and then I'm in an ambulance. And Hang on a second. Yeah. Describe the actual feeling in your thoughts going through an asthma attack for the people that don't know what that feels like. Okay, so the best description I've ever heard was if you take one of those little brown coffee straws, and that's your airway tube. So basically your air airways for layman's terms, like they're just getting smaller and smaller, like constricting. And it feels like you're breathing through like, you know, those little brown coffee straws, they have like two sides. It feels like you're only breathing in one of those sides. So it's like, I can't make the wheezing noise with that. But, and, uh, and, and so obviously, um, I'm not going to sidetrack it, but I'm starting to learn more about this stuff. And that is when it comes to this stuff, the ability to take oxygen from the atmosphere and then be able to move that into your lungs is one part. And then it, the ability to expel CO2. Right. So you have the, the mechanic part of it. Mm-hmm. So you have like the, the air coming in and then the ability to take that air and transfuse it into the, the hemoglobin or... It's not osmosis, but um, the well, you just wanted to the blood to have oxygen in it. I forget yeah. the words for that, but um, you want to get the little the oxygen to to get into oxygenated your, blood, your your hemoglobin, and then there's there's like little chucks and stuff that come at the. Mm-hmm. So there's like th- there's more than three parts, but there's make, a ton of parts related yeah. to asthma, and actually now more so. Like we've discovered, we've like I've been in the lab. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we as humans, <laughs> the collective we, um, is that 
it's it can be related to gut health a lot um, and how your gut develops. So looking back at my birth, my gut never had time to develop, right? So it takes a human gut somewhere between two and four years to fully develop. And if we're putting things like soy in my body or, um, you know, antibiotics at a very young age without... Even, even without the support of, let's say, supplements or, you know, real food or anything, breast milk, anything like that. Um, so it just had a really hard time to develop and it's not fully developed at all. Um, but yeah, so that's what it feels like is okay. the little brown straws. And, you know, it's a, almost like a hyperventilation, but not like you're just gasping for air. So at this point, are you are you panicking? Are you worried? I'm starting to panic a little bit, and I, I don't I don't talk because it costs energy. You know, I'm like, mom, we got to go to the hospital. Like by that time, yeah. my tone had changed. I was like, take me to the hospital, which and is good poise because I want to point out that you have the actual problem, and that you don't need to add another layer of anxiety and stress to create an additional problem. Yeah. Which is what people tend to do. And I think I just want to highlight that so hopefully people can be aware of it. It's the same thing with with working out. Like if you're doing like a CrossFit style workout and you're doing something difficult. Like Fran. Yeah. You don't need to add your own stress and poor me face and all this other stuff to the actual problem, which is... Anyways. Totally. No. But basically I shut down talking. I say, get me to the hospital. Um... And I figure like most points in my life looking back now when things get a little unknown is I get a little quiet and like protective of myself. And so that's what I was doing at that time. I was just like, okay, hold on. Yeah. (laughs) Here we go. Um, So we get to the hospital. We check in. I vaguely remember this. But the next thing I remember is they put me in an ambulance. And so instead of staying at that hospital, we are transferring to the children's hospital, which is kind of a big deal. Do you remember why? Because uh, they couldn't, couldn't support me. I don't know. Um, but that's when, like when I was in that hospital, the local hospital, that's when I just kind of blacked out, fainted. Um, so when we got in the ambulance, I don't remember being in the ambulance. This is where it started. I remember hovering above the ambulance and I remember seeing my body there and I remember my mom was in there. So you're in it, but like on inside, but up. Yeah. Gotcha. And there was um, an EMT guy in there. There was two people driving and basically I hang out in the ambulance until we get to the space and I don't remember anything. Then it started Go, going into this dream and um the dream is what is really trippy and i think this is where the um where that lesson came from the lesson yeah that hey like you're gonna say you have to save yourself nobody's gonna save you there's a there's a bigger plan here you know um so in this dream i was you know the there's definitely bright lights everywhere it was white um, shining. And I remember seeing hands, like people reaching for me, like tons of hands. And, um, I, 
that was on one side along with my brother and sister. And um, then it was just like really pretty and peaceful on the other side. And I was like, well, both look good here, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so that's what I remember. And I remember going towards these hands. And I don't remember much after that. But when I woke up, I was in ICU um, at the Children's Hospital. And there's like somebody tickling my feet. And I was like, whoa, what? What is going on? And I had been like that for three days. You know, they basically had told my mom and dad, hey, like, prepare for the worst. Um, when we when they had originally gotten to that hospital. But yeah, I ever since then, I've known like, there's a reason I'm on earth or there's something that I got to do because why else would I come back? You know, especially when it looked really freaking peaceful over here, as mm. I'm sure heaven is. <laughs> but yeah. So, th- so through this like death lesson, you had, you had like a, an awakening to service. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think a couple of things I, I want to talk about before we move Did to we the next Did ruin step. your plan? No, you're directly on it. <laughs> you don't even know it. Uh, and just to prove it to you check oh you did write down asthma (laughs) in the arrows okay so a couple things number one is i've noticed by by being able to do these these podcasts and, and talk to people and in the course of my normal day job and that is the people that I've come across that have had a near-death experience or an actual death experience is they have had this sense of service to others. Mm. It's immediately after that's when I read the book of Acts. Like, and that's all about service. And the second layer to it is a renewed or uh, a, a new sense of gratitude. Mm. And so those things coupled together are pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So I, I've noticed I've noticed those things. Um, it's also why I'm big into this memento mori thing, because I think sometimes you don't necessarily have to go through it, or you don't have to have somebody near you die, but it's a reminder. Yeah, it's a that that little flicker of a thought that yeah. you or your loved ones can die at any moment. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm somebody that has to learn by doing. Like, I'm very tactile, so it only makes sense that I had to go through that or that I had to hit rock bottom, you know. But once I can, you know, work through, go through a clean, a power clean a few times, okay, I think I got this, okay, you know. Um, Now, this is, I don't want to derail my own notes here too much, but going back to your relationship, you were in... uh, an abusive relationship, probably on several layers. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but my guess is there's probably some sexual abuse, some emotional abuse, some physical abuse. With all of these things going on, if you were to, if you were able to, not that you would, because everyone, we have to go through our stuff. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell that Lindsay? Mm. It's interesting. I did a similar exercise to this with my therapist. Um, I'm on to something then. All right. 
Um, so what would I tell that Lindsay, the Lindsay that's in the middle of the Mm -hmm. relationship? Um, you know, I would tell you're exactly right in that we all have to go through our stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I learned through that experience is that most everything is an act of love or a cry for love. And as much as he was crying for love, so was I, you know, um, we were both kind of feeding into that. And that doesn't excuse his behavior, but it's like, holy shit, we were two really broken humans, you know? And I think what I would tell myself smack dab in that middle of the relationship is, hey, like, you're going to be okay. It may not feel like it. You're going to be okay. And there's so much greater things that are out there. You got to go through the shit to get through the great things, you know? Um, so start now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's going to be just fine. You know, cause I think the fear of the unknown, you know, as much as that relationship was painful and uncomfortable, it was comfortable. It was all I knew at that point. You know, it was what I fell into when I got to California and yeah, it was like just second nature by that point, you know. The I want to make a couple of points here, um, and I don't know for some reason if you guys don't know my other hobby besides doing this show is I'm in law enforcement, and now being in law enforcement, I don't even like saying law enforcement because that kind of implies I'm out enforcing laws, right? No, <laughs> I kind of I don't know. I like peace officer. Maybe that's a little closer. It's a better term. Yeah, uh. yeah. Or policeman, you know. <laughs> kids say, oh, if little kids are using the term, I think it's good. Yeah. So if they're saying policeman, then I'm probably rock that. But the point of this is, is that we get, we, not obviously, I'm just one, but we as this profession get called to scenes where people really need help. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people are calling for help and it's generally the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. Call the police. That's just, that's the role that people forget about law enforcement. So by doing this, we get on a daily basis getting called of domestic violence. Mm. And a lot of the times it's a repeat call. Yeah, that's so right? common. Um, but I have not been through that. So I, I, I don't want to give too much advice. I can't. I don't know what it's like to be in those shoes because I'm not going to speak on it. That's why I have people that have um, uh, let's talk about it, but, and I also don't know, I can't say for sure that there's females out there in those relationships that listen to this show. And if there are, I I hope there, I hope, I hope there are. (coughs) And if you are listening, I want to reinforce from, from my standpoint, um, as a human, as, as a, as a policeman, as a peace officer, and as somebody that really fully believes in in love and that is a a reminder to you that you are strong you are resilient and you are not defined by a relationship you're worth it yes yeah that's what i would tell myself yes you are completely completely worth it and i have learned uh, and and through my time is that a deeper appreciation for for females 
Okay. There's a reason why females are the ones that give birth. I'm, you know, I didn't make up the plan. Amen. I'm yeah. the same. And that, that females, especially in this culture, and it's kind of why I went with the opener is, is that you guys are so much more than your makeup and your hair and your, your yoga pants. You know what I mean? Like it's then society has given yes, us credit for. Yeah. So you, you have this cultural thing that's applied to you that you are unfortunately learned from the very beginning. And so for those females that are caught in that or caught in a relationship that you think is comfortable, just know that you are a lot more powerful than that. Mm-hmm. And to and to respect and get after yourself. Yeah. And if it doesn't align with your values, then you know that that's what I learned was, okay, the universe is causing me all this turmoil. It's doing this for me because this is not love. This is not in alignment with my values and this is not who I'm supposed to become, you know, but I kept refusing to listen to the universe. Yeah, the, 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 it's also like the, um, the victim mentality oh, is yes. powerful. Yes. And, you know, I, witnessed that the victim mentality a lot growing up um and also you know i kind of come from texas and my family's very southern hospitality so i was raised with that kind of culture of you know hey you are the woman you go to school maybe go to college you get married you have kids a homemaker is, you know, what most women do after, you know, they have babies and, um, or they get married and I'm not a woman. I don't have daughters and I, I'm bothered by that. But that was, no, I know that was the, the standard that I think what, um, Oh, we could go down a rabbit hole. Like it's what white patriarchy has instilled in our society, you know, of, um, just, I don't want to like submissive is, can have a negative tone, but you know, be submissive to your husband and, um, or to the man of the business or whatever. You know, I think we're seeing a lot of that, um, kind of uprising and just like stuff coming out, especially, you know, in LA with the Hollywood stuff. And then, um, with our government, I think, um, you know, a lot is, uh, just coming to the surface, which is is so interesting. And I'll just keep rambling. Um, (laughs) no, no, I, I, I think again, you're talking about self, we talk about becoming aware and then regulating self-regulating. Yeah. But as, but as far as, as far as what, I would like to point out with this is that do that, but then, but do so in love mm-hmm. in right? the name of love always. Yeah. And so the hard part is that part mm-hmm. because if you're, if you're the more resistance or fight you put up, the more sympathetic the cause becomes. Mm-hmm. And then you're just making a more powerful divide. Yeah. And we don't need division. Like Mm -hmm. we need to get on the same page and feel and see and hear where every party, every person is coming from every race, 
person group needs to be seen and heard. And I don't think, well, I know that's not how our country was founded, unfortunately, you know, um, I'd like to believe that it was, but, you know, from my end, I look into a lot of research as far as, um, birth goes and, you know, the treatment of women during birth, prenatally, postpartum, and just for example, a lot of the textbooks are only written by white males. I mean, I kind of want a textbook that's written by a female because mm-hmm. the female knows the female body. You know, um, for instance, some of the reproductive parts and organs of the female body were named after white males. You know, um, which is really interesting. Like now that you go back and like look into this and think about this, so <clears throat> it's. Are you telling me there was a Mister Ovary? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think there's a Mister Ovary, but there's a Mister Bartholomew for Bartholomew's glands. Um, so, like uncovering, like I had no idea going down this path of birth and birth fit that. I would be led to some of this stuff, but this stuff makes me even more fired up. And it's not, there's, I don't want to like crush the, the white men. Like that's not the point. You're missing the point. It's like, like you said, in the name of love, like let's lift these women up. Let's rewrite textbooks. Let's hear from the women of color. Like why the hell are they dying at a rate of three to four times faster than white women in birth? You know, let's actually go and look at what the hell is going on and uncover some things and redo it. Like it's not that big a deal. Here's some things I want to point out about you. (laughs) And stay with me here you're able to look at something without a a tremendous amount of bias. And so when people, and you're seeking information, you're not seeking to be right. Okay. Right. That's a huge difference. But I wasn't always like that. And and none of us are right. It's not Mm -hmm. like you're a second grader. I want to understand that, you know, it it takes uh, uh, moments and experiences to learn these lessons. And so there's also, like a shoot like a shooting video game or a driving video game let's say let's use a driving video game mm-hmm. you can jump in the controls and actually look purely from behind the wheel and then you can use a different view where you step back a little oh, bit yeah, more yeah. like a right? mario kart yeah you step back and then you you can see the car driving and then you yeah. can step back even further right and so you're able to step back and look further at information as opposed to only being behind the wheel mm-hmm. in the stress and in the mix of things which is a powerful thing. And I think a lot of people don't do that. And this is, this is where things are lost. Mm-hmm. It's not in the intention. It's in the ability to seek information and the ability to understand mm-hmm. and, and, and seek to seek to understand. Yeah. Instead of this is my point. This is my side. You need to come over here. Yeah. Cross the line. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think whenever, um, I, I, I appreciate you having that observation because I work hard at it. I practice it and I feel like I get a little better each day, but it took that relationship of mine and me doing some exercises with a therapist to really take myself out of my body 
mm-hmm. and into that bird's eye view or into that movie screen view. And when you start to do that, the emotions, the emotions are only present if you're in first person or second person, you know, like I can put myself in your shoes right now and I can get some emotions of how you're feeling or what you're going through. And some of them are assumptions, but you know, you can help me figure that out too. If I stay in my body, there's hell of emotions and judgment and, you know, distortions. But if I start to look at something from, okay, I'm across the room and I'm looking at Lindsay and Scott as they do this podcast, I can take emotions out of it and they just kind of dissolve. And yeah, I think the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned, you know, being a CEO slash business owner is I have these opinions, I have these judgments, but like how to use them and when to use them effectively um, and taking, it's not to say, like I'm not saying emotions are bad. Like I definitely sit with some heavy emotions, but knowing when and where to sit with those, you know, and use those. Uh, Jocko Willing talks about, uses the term detaching. Mm. From emotions. Um, not, I mean, not necessarily just detaching from emotions, but in a way, detaching, taking a step back, uh, and trying to observe from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And again, try and observe from an angle where your blind spots are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and being aware is here's the other one, everyone being aware and admitting that you have blind spots. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because when you said earlier about trauma and that reveals your strengths but i'd also add it reveals your blind spots and where you're weak at or where you're maybe a lot of room for opportunity to grow um yeah it just gives you more of a lens onto who you Mm -hmm. are as a human you know yes yep and now this is so this conversation and this is something i've become more and more sensitive to and is that I fear in a way that the people that listen to this are already kind of doing that. The people that listen to these, like this information are the people that are already kind of sort of aware of this stuff, Mm -hmm. which is what attracts people to these type of formats. Yeah. But I'm trying to, I'm, and this is a total side note, but I'm looking at ways to get people that aren't to actually listen and absorb some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. To get people that are that really need it, because the ones that really need it probably are, aren't listening. And they probably don't even think they, they probably don't even think they need to listen. Well, yeah, that's where the growth and fixed mindset comes in. And they probably have a bit of that fixed fixed mindset where like, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> yep. And and so speaking of which, if you guys don't know, I know it's a it's one of um, Lindsay's favorite books and at least one that she refers to a lot, and that is Mindset by Carol Dweck. Yeah. I, did, I was going to pull some stuff out of that from this one, but just preparing for, for this episode, you got me reading three books. So <laughs> <laughs> We make all of our regional directors read Mindset. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah, I don't think anyone would read that and be like, yeah, I, sh- I didn't need to read this. Yeah. I'm going to go with my fixed mindset and go. It's with, like that one. Yeah, so I have the other book over here, Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. Yeah which is another fantastic book. And it's, it's the timeless art of turning trials into triumph. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. You have these, um, 
obstacles, if you want to call them that, in life, but really they're opportunities. Yeah, you can call them whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Obstacles, opportunities, life lessons. Um. So speaking of your life lessons, now you've talked about moments, right? And, and for the people that listen to, if you, if you happen to listen to the, most of my episodes, you know that I'm uncomfortable with people's bios. I'm uncomfortable with people's resumes. I'm uncomfortable with reading off how awesome everybody are, is. Oh, that's what you're uncomfortable with? I don't like it. I feel kind of, I feel a little bit shallow when I'm doing that. Oh, okay. Because your bio is not a good reflection of you. Because we know if you, if you were to reflect on your life, you're not going to go back and be like, oh yeah, um, I, you know, I was a 2014 SoCal regional champion. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but, or maybe it's, it's, and the point is, it's the moments. Mm-hmm. It's our moments. It's the moments that define us. Yeah. And it's those moments that really are, are where your character is forged or, or, you know, shined upon. And so you've talked about certain moments in your life and one of them we just talked about, just, just spoke about. Um, but the other one is your torn knee. Oh yeah. And so your torn knee and if you don't mind, just kind of, because you're in college at this time, you're an older high school, Oh, high school. Okay. High school into college. Right. So eventually it, it led into, well, the lesson led into college. And so if you don't mind, let's talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you think you're good? Okay. Uh, oh, your life's going great. All right. Goodbye, Liz. Crush. <laughs> yeah. So I was, believe it or not, I was head cheerleader in Texas and I played soccer and that. Stop right there. <laughs> I well, knew no, you were no, going to no, do I, that. Okay. I, I mean, I knew this. It just, I really want. It's still want, a I, shock to people. Well, no, here's the thing. I just wanted to marinate on the <laughs> listeners. Head cheerleader, high school in Texas. Okay. All right. If you've ever seen Friday Night Lights, yeah, legit. That's whipped cream. I, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> I met her, by the way. Lila. Is that her name? No. The blonde. Or yeah, the, yeah. I met. Oh, the, the blonde. I forget her name. I, I'm gonna go back and rewatch the show because I it's met so her. Good. I met her at a full-on conversation, and it's I a great wanna, show. No, absolutely. I just meant to say thank you for uh, you know helping kickstart puberty for me. You know. <laughs> All right, carry on. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that is uh, Texas high school football. Yeah. Um, So I was living and loving life in high school. And my activities were cheerleading and soccer. And my junior year, I (laughs) was, we were, it was our first pep rally of the year. And, uh, I did a jump and landed and tore my ACL. And unfortunately, your junior years when, you know, people are looking at you for college, especially Mm. when you're playing soccer. And that's what I was thinking about doing. I was even thinking about doing cheerleading in college, but I was hoping to be like the next Mia Hamm or something. Um, But when you blow an ACL, especially in the year 2000, um, and you start to visit doctors and you realize there's people stop looking at you for soccer in college. And then 
I went to two orthos and they basically told me, you'll only be 80%. And I was like, what? And then I finally went to one that said, you'll be 100%, but you have to put the work into it. And I was like, okay, like deal. I can work my ass off. Um, let's, let's do it. Um, so he ended up being the guy that operated on my knee, um, had a hamstring graft, fixed my ACL and MCL. And um, it was a really cool experience looking back now during it. I was like pissed at the world, um, which was also another dark time in my life because, you know, I wanted to be out there cheering. I wanted to be out there playing soccer. I wanted yeah. to be with my friends. And well, ugh. what's going on there, and this is to highlight, is we all have identities, passions, and things that you do. But really, they're they're also identities. Yeah. And so your your identity was completely cracked. Oh, beautifully cracked. Yep. Like you're not this anymore. Nope. And yeah. that and that is so injuries especially for athletes you have several layers again of of like poor me or or victimhood one you have the actual physical Mm -hmm. mechanical Mm boo-boos but it's the emotional injury that resonates for decades for sure and you know i grew up in a small smallish town in texas and everybody knows everything about you. And so when that happens, then it's like, how's your knee? How's this? And then life, as you know, is kind of over, you know? Yeah, there's not really a system set up in place to take care of you. No. Like, I remember, speaking of darkness, I remember when this happened. And I got the news from the trainers at school, from the ortho that was at our high school like they had me in an MRI I knew the news by that Friday night and this was Thursday that it happened and so every night after a football game there's a field party and of course (laughs) and I remember just I was with my boyfriend and I was just so depressed and I was on painkillers and drinking and just pissed at the world and I was like oh this is this is 17 cool you know this is I'm gonna end up like this you know awesome but I think it was the surgeon that I had that kind of motivated me and was like you're gonna be as good as you put effort into this and I was like okay I can so it's on me like back to the responsibility deal such an important lesson (sighs) And, you know, I liked him. He wore cowboy boots with his scrubs. Like, he was just different. And so I think that vibed with me really well. And um, so he put me in prehab, as he called it, which was, you know, what, 17 years ago. And was like, you need to be prehabbing your leg basically for six weeks before we go into surgery. And I was like, done. And he introduced me to chiropractic and just... rolfing alternative things and it was such a blessing in disguise but it could have really gone south yep yep that's that's another thing also for anyone that's identified by their physical gifts is that when you lose it it makes you go who am i yeah and you want to numb it out real quick i used to when i tore my hamstring really bad in college and had to sit out a season and at the time i was living with five football players in a house. Ugh. And so they'd be traveling and it, 
there was like an immediate disconnect. I was like yeah. a worthless thing now. I mean, just totally. They d- people don't know how to react to you or with no. you or connect with you anymore. Yep. I remember before I would even go out at night, I would go down the streets to the liquor store and get three uh, 30 ounce Miller High Life. Oh my God. Because they were really cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I would drink before even going out. Like that was my. That was your pregame. Yeah. It got to that point and I didn't realize how. I started going to, and this is something props to that school back then, is they basically had an AA meeting for injured athletes. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it, that, because of that route, uh, early on, I started looking at um, going into sports psychology and chiropractic work. Yeah. And, and all, so I could be in a position to help people like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I went through some, that was First of all, it was like my my most skinny fat time of my life. <laughs> I stopped training and drinking beers all the time. But to circle back, there's a like that you don't realize it right away. It's like being in a stinky room. You don't realize how stinky it is until you get outside and totally. get some perspective. And then you go back in and you realize how stinky the room is. Yeah. And that you have the ability to fix it or uh, go somewhere else. Yeah. And so that was an, uh, a a really powerful lesson that just paralleling yours the ability yeah. that is it's up to you. You are completely in control. Yeah. Wherever you want to go, up to you. Totally. Which is fantastic and or not, depending on the person. Yeah. It's, it wasn't up to my PT or my surgeon or my parents or whoever was in my life at that yep. point. No. You know, there are, there are, and I had this imagery earlier when you we were speaking, but I, just, I didn't want to interrupt you, um, is we all have lighthouses in our life people right that guide us but we also have a bunch of buoys <laughs> there's a bunch of buoys out there that is are there if you need it but it's us it's it's us that needs to swim mm-hmm. you know i guess he's you know, getting some more imagery from my my lighthouse picture over here pretty good better swim i know we're over here in that water yeah right <laughs> so the the waves also tie back into um an earlier episode, I think it's episode, I don't know the number, but the episode I did on grief called Keep, mm. Keep Swimming. Mm. So by the way, if you guys, so true. if you guys are out there, if you, if you're going through some grief or some, some a loss or disappointment, or you know somebody that is, check out that episode on grief. Is it just you? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Grief is a funny little word for something that kind of punches you from the inside out, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing, the whole inside out thing. Yeah. Usually, you know, check this out. Usually, the way I organize my thoughts when I'm talking to people on this in this format is that I, I have my little my little ball of light or my little ball of focus that I usually have I, I place it inside of you. And then the way I have this little behind the curtain here is that I, and I slowly bring it out. So eventually, it's you, right, in, internal, and then eventually I bring it out, and then we start talking about the service of its others. Love it. Uh, now everyone's going to be trying to figure out and, and watch the path, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Do so. I hope you do. Um, so that was uh, another moment you're, you're torn knee. Yeah. And still resonating. All these are still resonating today. Yeah. Um, when's the last time you did a cheer? <laughs> so this is kind of funny. Um, 
I'll work with Chris at the gym at Deuce sometimes on gymnastics stuff. And he has me practicing backflips. And every time before I do a backflip, it's so habit, but I'll have to clap. And then... Did you do okay? Yeah. Ready? Uh, yes. <laughs> hey, whatever. No, whatever gets you mentally ready. It's like so ingrained in me. Like there's... I can't cut that out. It's. I, I love watching him move, by the way. It's, yeah, Chris is phenomenal mover. It's like To me, it's almost like a like when I watch somebody play an instrument or sing. I'm just, I know that like... I can't... I, I mean, I can make a guitar make noise. You know what I mean? Oh, I but could too. I'm not, it ain't making music. It's definitely, yeah. And so watching him do his thing is like, it's like watching, um, like he's using gravity as, guitar, yeah. as his guitar. Yeah. I don't know. Super cool. Uh, Chris uh, Pinedo. Yeah. I, I forget his Instagram handle. I'll share it in the thing so you guys go, go check it out. So um, in the interest of time, I want to talk about number three, which is your trip to Africa. Mm. How'd you know these? Stockton. You've talked about them before. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, Africa was another milestone or moment that shifted shifted my life. Um, so I went to Texas A&M University, which I love. Um, you said that with like restricted passion. You know? <laughs> Just let it out. <laughs> Yeah, I love <laughs> there, A&M. Yeah. There you go. Um, and it was my fourth, going into my fourth year there, and I was sitting in my advisor's office, and I was on a pre-med track. So based on my experience with my knee and everything, I was like, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I was um, on a pre-med track, just got done taking my MCATs, and I was sitting in there trying to figure out, I guess, what classes I was going to take the next semester. And it was around Thanksgiving, and I see this flyer, and it had an elephant on there. I love elephants almost as much as A&M. And then I brought the flyer into her office, and I was like, hey, what is this? Like, I need to know about this. She goes, well, it's a medical mission trip in Tanzania. Tanzania. Um, Starts in January. I was like sign me up. She was like, do you need to ask your parents or whatever? And I was like, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up and I went to Africa. I literally left the day after Christmas. And while I was there, we would hike all over. And um, we would hike. And then on the weekends, we would have like a, a clinic. And we had one overseeing medical doctor that would prescribe medication or whatever was minor things that he could do at that point. And I had this mom bring her son to me and he was about seven years old and he was, um, he had lost strength, maybe even paralyzed on one side of his body. So left side of his body. And she brought him to me and, um, he was having seizures as well. And I had my translator there who I remember everything about what he looked like. He was just adorable. And, um, you know, he told me seizures were the big concern because she had a big family, um, didn't know if he was possessed or what was going on. And, um, you know, long story short, the overseeing doc just wanted to provide a sedative and so it would knock him out whenever he had the seizures. But after we would leave and the prescription would run out, then he would start having them again. Yeah. So you're treating the symptom. Yeah. 
And I was just like, something struck me like, you know, God's funny. He was like, nope, not you. You can't do this anymore. And I was like, oh. uh, so I basically pulled the woman and the kid outside with my translator. And I was like, you know, I don't really know what to do here, but this was, this is going to be what's, what's going to happen. If we go this route of the medication, your son, there's like, he's a beautiful spirit. There's like nothing wrong with his spirit, his soul. Like you could talk to him, have a full blown conversation. He was present, like totally fine. Um, you know, and my other piece of advice would just be to start using or trying to use the left side of his body. Um, so I hugged, we cried. Then I went and found the nearest payphone in town and I called my stepdad and I was like, I'm not going to medical school. I can't, can't do the medication thing. It doesn't fix anything. And, you know, he's like, well, figure out, figure out your life. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, that was a huge turning point for me. Um, I love Africa. And for me, it was, um, I felt really at home there. I think it was scary as shit because, you know, I land from a plane in Dar es Salaam. I have to take a bus nine hours um, you know, many of the bathrooms were whole. Was there Wi-Fi? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> like at that time, I don't even think I had a flip phone. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I had to get those calling cards, you know, to go to the yep. pay phone or go to an internet cafe and pay for like an hour of internet. And then you wait for it to try to load and get your hotmail up. And yeah, it was just, I just loved being there and the simplicity of it. And, like the beauty of nature there was that I've never seen anything like it. Do you think time moves slower? Time is a funny thing. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a priority. Like we put on time here, you know? Yeah. I, well, that's, I've been certain places that I've noticed or, or at least had a perception as if time was moving a lot more slow. And I've no, I kind of feel LA has like this weird like pressure system that's pushing down on us, that's making us all have a little bit more anxiety than we should, and like we're always in a rush, even though we don't have to be somewhere. Right. And then hurrying to get as much done and getting caught up in the hustle that you're always looking forward and you don't actually stop to enjoy. The in the present. moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole trip was in the moment. It was, yeah, it was awesome. I trip out on the fact that it's called present. <laughs> it's a present. It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hustle, hustle, hustle. That's, I get caught in it too, you know, between work and this. And totally. Always like, that's actually, and, and it's really easy to, you know, to really slam a stake down right now. Boom. Just slam it down in your moment and just stop. And look around and be appreciative and have some gratitude for right now. Yeah. And the more you do that, I think you're going to have a little bit more of a, a happy and fulfilling life. Gratitude. Like when I don't think on your deathbed, if you have the opportunity to do some reflecting, if it doesn't just hit you, you know, suddenly, I don't think you're going to look back and be like, yeah, I really had hustled through my schedule. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Or that rushing through traffic was totally worth it. Yeah, no. No. Traffic is a test of character. Ugh. 
It is. That's yeah. something I've learned. Like I've learned, look, and if, for those of you that are not in traffic, there's other stuff that you can apply this to. Totally. So you have traffic. It's there no matter what. Especially in Los Angeles. It's there no matter what. Yeah. Like, you, so if you know that, you can plan accordingly and then make the best of it. Mm-hmm. It's like if it's a thunderstorm outside, what you're going to, oh, look at that. It's raining. Yeah. Let me prepare accordingly yeah. and then go about my day. And you know what? I might actually enjoy it. Yeah. So that's the thing. Shift like, it. Yeah. And now that obstacle is an opportunity. Eh? It is. So, yeah, exactly. So you have, you have traffic. I'm like, how much time do I have? 37 minutes? Sweet. Yeah. I can get some learning done. You could turn or, on a podcast or podcast, a book. Podcast, books, or TED Talks. Call. Yeah. That's it. That's my four. Yeah. Those are the four things I'm doing. Or nothing. Silence. Yeah. Yep. But that's the thing. It, that's, that's something also that you learn when you get out of the stinky room that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two questions. One, are you going, going to go back? If so, when? If, and if no, why? To Africa? I do want to go back. Um, I've been, I don't want to say trying cause you, you can make it happen, yeah. you know? Um, it just hasn't been the right time. Um, and I kind of want to make it like monumental. Yep. Um, but I do want to go back and when I do, I definitely want to go to Tanzania, but also South Africa. So I want to spend like two months over there, you Shoot. know? Take BirthFit Global, make it a BirthFit tour. Yeah. <laughs> like a like the like a traveling birth yeah. BirthFit squad. Yeah. Sponsored in part by the CZ Way. <laughs> um, but speaking of, okay, so I, I, I mentioned BirthFit and I and I'm purposefully not um, having this be like a, a an echo podcast on BirthFit. That's fine. Which because there's a ton of them out there. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you had a really good one on the better human project mm-hmm. with Ryan Muncie. And also, um, I actually liked your one on the girls gone wad podcast. Oh yeah. I love those girls. Yeah. They're great. Joy and Claire. What's up. And so those, that information is out there. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. So to, to, to redirect the question and that is what is birth fit doing for you? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, if you would have asked me in 2013, I would have had a different answer. Um, but in the last two to three years, I've realized BirthFit is healing me and my maternal lineage. And that's pretty powerful, you know, because if you look at my maternal lineage, there's, um, you know, those words there's abandonment, there's abuse, there's rock bottom, um, there's struggle amongst all the women, you know, and that's, I'm not saying those things for sympathy or, you know, to get the victim role or anything, but I'm pretty sure you could look at that in a lot of, um, lineages across the United States. Look, you don't need to explain that. You're not a victim, you're a warrior. And warriors have scars. And mm-hmm. warriors Dude, own good. their scars. Yeah. And they wear their scars as uh, uh, battle armor. Right. All right. I love that. There you go. But, um, you know, I think there's a quote somewhere about, you know, the, 
the trauma or the stories or just the shit stays until somebody in your family or inside your lineage wants to see it and address it and deal with it. And I think that's what my role is. I think that's what my calling is. And, you know, I think so many women in my family maybe lost sight of who they were or what their values were, you know, whether whenever they became mothers or whenever they became wives or whenever they became something else, you know, like you were talking about, um, like being identified by something else. And I thought that I think they lost sight of who they were. And for me, I think birthfit is totally healing the maternal lineage on my side. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, I have another question here that I wrote. It says, all humans seek the happy life, but confuse the means. So, and what I mean by that, like, um, confuse the means, I'm talking like, you think stuff is going to make you happy. Yeah. Like, a fancy car, or some shoes, or a house, or all the stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the the... You know, the more aware folks out there know that it's not about the stuff. Yeah. Right? So, first question is, how do you live a happy and fulfilling life? Just every day or yeah. in general? Yeah, what comes to mind? I think you said it, gratitude and service. Um, whenever, like, it's not, I'm, I'm human, so whenever I get these thoughts, you know, these self-deprecating thoughts, I 100% go back to gratitude. Like, what are three things I'm grateful for right now? And I could be sitting in the car. It could be morning, like 5 a.m. It could be evenings, sitting in the bath. But gratitude is huge. Like, there's always something that you can be grateful for. And, um, you know, whenever, I'll give an example. Whenever my cat passed last June 2017, um, she was 20 I was so sad and um, I would write my journal every morning three things that I was grateful for her like in my life and it turned into like different things every day and I probably did that for almost three months and to go back and read that's pretty amazing but you can practice that anywhere anytime yeah. that's a that's uh you nailed one of the, my biggest pieces of advice for people that are going through it. And that is to take that negative thought, a negative thought pops up and immediately, immediately replace it with three thoughts of gratitude. Yeah. It usually takes a minimum of three to one. Totally. Especially when you're in the sludge. Yeah. The negative stuff is, is, is like pretty heavy. And it takes a lot more positivity to, to relate, erase one negative thought. Right. But you got to be rooted in gratitude and lifted by awareness. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Also, um, I want to add, because I I love that answer, but also um, to always do the right thing. And the right thing by yourself. Mm. Because there's different, there's big differences here. I'm saying do the right thing by yourself, uh, for yourself, and because that can lead to some some moral excellence, and you yeah. have that going on with gratitude and, and awareness and service, and life is going to get pretty simple for you. 
<laughs> well, it gets simple. It's not easy, no. but it's simple. And things that maybe, you know, would compete for your attention or your thoughts no longer. Like you're, it's so much, I don't want to say easier, but it's so much easier to say no or yes, I value that. I'll take on that project or I'll take you to the store or whatever, you know, like it's easier to say yes and no and be just super intentional in your decisions and your actions. Yep. The simple and the difficult. That's a relationship, uh, uh, a combo that I've had an interesting relationship with. It's so easy yet so difficult. Just the idea of that, mm-hmm. which is actually why I have my Enzo circle up here. It's so simple yet so <laughs> difficult. Yeah. To even draw a circle. A circle is a powerful thing. It is. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm not going to go down and open that Pandora's box right now. <laughs> but yes, I'm, and, I'm, and for the listeners, I'm, I'm pointing to my, my Zen circle that I have up here on my wall. All right. Now, this is um, how do you be a good person? Mm. Now, that's kind of, again, a loaded question. Um, initially, I was initially I actually wrote like, how do you be a good a good woman? And I had it like that. For kind of, <laughs> no, no, stay with me. I had it like that because I wanted to incite a little bit of like the little fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. What the hell? Exactly. Uh. I did. I had it like that, but it it was on purpose. So I switched it to how do you be a good person? Mm. And it's funny how the feeling is much different, but changing person and woman. Yeah. Because already our cultures, our culture that we're taught, which is, again, uh, one box of framework, which is hopefully what, you know, we're helping people break free from, Mm -hmm. is, you know, our culture says what a good woman is. But I think a good woman breaks out of the box. Mm-hmm. There's no ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More on that later. So how can you be a good person? So I wrote down some notes here. One of them was uh, to master your desires. And then mastering. The whole term mastering also is is mastering yourself is a, is a lifelong journey mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then and i've talked about how mastering peace begins with um when you learn to master your inner peace mm-hmm. so that's some and and part of doing that is is getting in control of your desires also knowing what they are let's go ahead and start there <laughs> not everybody how does. to be a good person or knowing your desires well it's part of it so it, it's part is it, that's one part of being a good person is knowing yourself a hundred percent right yeah i think that's the most important is knowing yourself what you value what you need um yeah what you need to feel loved and supported and safe yep and then another part of that is doing those things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and performing those duties yeah being in action around those values and those needs gotta be a doer yeah that thing you're holding on to that you really have passion about and you like we need you to go do that and to do that really well. Yeah. It's the gift to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the next part, this is what I wrote down learning to think clearly about yourself and the relations with the larger community of humanity. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's it's simple, right? Yeah, it sure <laughs> is. Yeah. But um, you know, I'll relate this to relationships, mm-hmm. whether it be you and I in a relationship, or coworker co-working relationship, or lover relationship. You have to know yourself, and cannot connect or expect to connect on a, a deeper level um, if if you don't know what you're asking for, you don't know what you need, or you don't know how to communicate what you need. So let's say we're in a relation relationship and my love language is one thing. Um, my love language is actually physical touch. Um, I don't know what yours love languages it might be acts of service but if i'm Uh, definitely touch touch okay great we're on the same page but let's just pretend that yours is acts of service Mm -hmm. or quality time or something other than touch if all i know is physical touch and i'm over here touching you and you're like well i don't need touch to feel loved i need quality time and quality time may look like okay, no cell phones, but actually having a conversation with you at dinner or a long walk, then I'm not giving you what you need. You're not Mm -hmm. giving me what I need if you're not touching me in a loving way, you know? So I think that's the easiest example I can give is, you know, as far as relationships goes, is you have to know yourself and we change and that's okay, you know? But being able to communicate what you need, what you value and having that from the other person, also them communicating what they need and what they value. And same thing in a working relationship, you know, knowing yourself so well that, okay, these are my strengths. These are also my weaknesses. Or, you know, if you get a project assigned, like, um, you know, right now with BirthFit, we're going through end of the year evaluations and doing stuff. And basically I had to turn down a few projects and say, Hey, I don't have this in my capacity right now. Uh, can we revisit this after November 12th or, you know, a possible collaboration? Can we table this till January, 2019? Um, and that's just like, it always goes back to knowing yourself and for your question, like how to be a good person. If you want to make this world a better place, continue to do work on yourself. You know, I think that's, that's the ultimate thing. Like make yourself better than you were yesterday. Yep. Yep. Love yourself. Loving yourself isn't a bad thing. It's actually, it's actually pretty solid leadership skill. Yeah. And giving yourself compassion and grace and forgiveness, forgiveness. Holy, like talk about forgiveness. Like when we revisited my past with my therapist, it's like, I could forgive everybody but myself. You know, I couldn't forgive myself for putting myself in those situations. But Mm -hmm. once I did, holy, the ceiling shattered everything, you know, heart wide open. You know, but that took time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we, first of all, one of my favorite things that Martin Luther King says, Mm -hmm. said, is if you lack the power of forgiveness, you lack the power of love. Oh, it's it's so true, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh. By the way, side note: if you have not um, read his sermon "Loving Your Enemies," I actually did a podcast on it called "Loving Your Enemies." If you're interested, early on by myself, "Loving Your Enemies," 
And another big one is go check out Letter from Birmingham Jail. Ooh. That's what, if you're if you were interested in anything civil rights related, you need to go That's read that it. letter. I'm not gonna open up the can, but <laughs> you have homework. You, Lindsay, you have homework. You gotta check everybody. It out. Yeah. Yep. But forgiveness is like it's so hard. It is. You know, I was check this out. I was watching um, years ago. I would watch it again right now as a grown ass man, and that is. Uh, a Superman cartoon, <laughs> and he was asked a question. I think it was by Brainiac, and he, it was to like uh, to like free Lois Lane from like peril. And the question was, what happens when a, a unstoppable force meets an immovable, immovable object? And obviously, if, if it's a paradox, <laughs> right? But I thought. Superman's answer was fantastic and has resonated with me big time. And he said, they surrender. <laughs> it's powerful. It, it, yeah. At that time I was like, oh, okay. But then it kind of like, it kind of hit me when I would start meeting resistance at certain points in my life. And I was like, you know what? We are either going to sit here and fight for all time or I can surrender and, and, and surrender is obviously a subjective term. We're not like, it's not like give up everything, not, not giving no, up yourself. No, not that at all. But yeah. it's like, it's like lower your weapon. Yeah, just be here right mm -hmm. now. Yep. Yeah. And I also tell people it's part of why I say uh, strength is a choice and why I actually have it on that sword up here. Because it takes, it takes strength to, 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 to raise a weapon, but it takes even more strength to lower it. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where all the little bit of those parallels come from. Yeah. Um, before we close out, a couple more questions. And I don't know, well, I do know, but I'm not really a big fan of a lot of the female role models out there for young women. Mm. Don't <laughs> yeah. even... I know, I know. <laughs> I was trying to figure, I know. Everyone, we all know, yeah, I'm trying to be gentle with that. It actually makes me sick. So we can't necessarily force, but who do you think are good role models for them? And I know it's tough. It's, it's almost like what we need to like redo everything, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to redo everything. We're going to rewrite history starting in 2018. So, so instead of, instead of going down that route, what would you, what advice or what would you want to say to like the young like the, you know, the 12 year old girls out there. And the second part of this, so, okay, the second part, okay. the second part, cause I'm gonna buy you some time here <laughs> is what would you say to the 12 year old boys? Oh. Mm -hmm. So I've been playing with a similar question to this a lot. The 12 year old girls, because I often think about, you know, what would I, have wanted to hear what would I have listened to and um you know what would have resonated with me and I th think something along the lines of learning my body you know because that's around the time that you start to develop as a female you get your period and you know when we were growing up like our age group 
getting your period was like, oh shit, you know, kind of this shameful thing almost. Um, and a period is a beautiful celebration that a woman is healthy. Like every time I get my period now, I'm like, hell yeah. Like cannot wait to Yoni steam after this. Like this is, God is good. Like (laughs) this is amazing. But like I was not like that for so long, you know, um, it was just such a drag to have a period and to be stuck in this female body. And what I wish somebody would have taught me is how sacred and beautiful and powerful the female body is, but also how soft and sensual and gentle that it can be at the same time. And for me, this resonates more than just female and male because those are terms, right, that Mm -hmm. we give them. It's more of the feminine energy and the masculine energy. And we all have that within us. And, you know, if you want to look at our culture, I think the feminine energy is rising, which is, you know, people don't know what to do because the masculine energy is more of the structured, the keep things in a box sort of thing. Um, If you relate it to nutrition, it's like calorie counting or fitness. It's, you know, keeping tabs on your workout sort of thing, the numbers. But, um, you know, going back to my 12-year-old self, like had there been a class not just on, you know, don't have sex and show you every ugly picture of gonorrhea, you know, it would have been a phenomenal class on how to embrace your period, how to embrace your cycle, how to embrace this womanly body that you're about to get, you know, and um, respect it, really respect it. Because I don't think I had respect for my body until much later in life, you know, and, um, it's okay to embrace the feminine energy and the soft side of myself or you as the young girl while at the same time, okay, yeah, we, we can work out in the gym or we can do numbers. We can, you know, adhere to some sort of structure. Um, so yeah, a class like that would have been phenomenal, but even I think on the male side of things for young young boys growing up, I think, um, the same kind of class, you know, Mm -hmm. like definitely how to respect a woman or respect a human, you know, um, and how to embrace feminine and masculine energy within your bodies, because there's so many males today that, um, I see that don't know how to, even identify what emotion is coming up for them or how to communicate it, you know, or they think that crying is a weakness and it's not like crying is maybe the strongest thing you can do in that moment. Um, and to show vulnerability, like that's pretty freaking courageous. But I think, you know, it's, if we could relate to the 12 years old, 12 year olds and just show them like, that we all have this energy within us and how to cultivate it and use it and be effective with it rather than, okay, we're not going to identify any emotions. We're just going to push them down until they explode or till I explode or something, you know? Um, I think that would be pretty powerful. Um, a little challenge for you and maybe you're already doing this and is what point, 
does like birth fit start for, I don't want to say your clients, but for, <laughs> for the female? Yeah. So technically right now we do preconception and that's three months. Um, so if anybody wants to do our before the bump program or work with Brittany, uh, it's about three months prior to so conception. It's kind of like a flicker of like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to consider to start having babies. Yeah. Okay. Like if that thought crosses your mind. Okay. Um, so yeah, the window would be like three to six months prior to conception to the end, like 12 months postpartum. Like that's our niche. Cause I was going to say, it's like, cause eventually I mean, not, it's there now, but you guys have a certain, um, a platform, right? But it's not necessarily the platform. It's, from my perspective, my little lonely, you know, male perspective over here <laughs> is that the people in the movement behind it are more powerful than the platform. hundred percent. Yeah. And so that, that empowering and encouraging move, uh, movement is, is gaining momentum and more and more influence, mm -hmm. which is something that you need to create change. Mm -hmm. Now I think with that, that you can also influence the 12 year old girls out there. Yeah. So, but part of one of the, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying to even go back and cause it's at really it's, it's, I think at that young age when they, just as they're starting to develop into the woman that they're going to become, that's, I think that's probably where it kind of starts. Not necessarily. The, yes. Right. Yeah. And so at that point in time, so I'm kind of curious if even, um, you now maybe I'm, I'm gonna ask this question. I don't know the answer, but even, uh, calling it birth fit, but to a 12 year old, is that going to get them thinking at all about like, Oh, they're meant to just like give birth and avoiding that right. thought. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that, but, um, you know, you said it starts back mm -hmm. then. Right. So, the curiosity around sex and partners and definitely starts, you know, the moment they put that on the VHS, whenever I was in, I guess, sixth grade or something. Oh, this is interesting. What is this? But now that knowing all the stuff I know now, and I'll continue to learn, but had somebody taught me how to maybe pleasure myself first rather than, you know, going to church and saying sex is off limits. Because mm -hmm. if you tell me something's no, I'm going to go the other way. I'm like, oh, hell, we game on, you know? And I think that's why birth fit and everything I've done so far. But had there been a class on pleasuring yourself or masturbating or, you know, it's okay as a female to touch yourself, you know? And if you can find comfort in that, maybe you don't have to look for validation in you know, sex with a 16 year old partner, you know, maybe you might wait a little bit longer, you know, yeah. same things with the yeah. guys, you know, um, if so, they're okay in their bodies and they're, and they feel safe and supported in their bodies. So that's one challenge. <laughs> We've got some ideas brewing yeah, for good. sure. Yeah. Then I'm gonna keep checking on you, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe part of me identifies as a 12 year old girl and I need some help. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, um, in the interest of time, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you uh -uh. Uh, probably one more question. Okay. Actually, more than more than one. But number. But I want to ask you, what do you want to remember be remembered by? 
it's a good one. Um, I, I always like lately I've said birth fit is my legacy and that's what I want to live on after I die. Um, but I think, I think that's it. But I also think, um, you know, I've been really revisiting my purpose or my mission. And for me, I feel like my mission has become a little bit more clear in that not only am I empowering and educating women, because that's part of our birth at mission statement, but me, Lindsay, will empower and educate women so that they have the tools to get through any obstacle in their life, through get through any trauma, to get through any transition. And I think transition, you know, is mm-hmm. my favorite word there, is really anything. Um, because that's where all that comes into play. Like everything we practice, every like you can practice meditation, you can work out, and all it's fun and great, but until shit hits the fan, that's when the truth comes out, you know? Yep. And yep. that's when, like you said, your character is revealed yep. and scars and wounds and everything show up. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to point out BirthFit is the a title of your company. Yeah. Right? But it's, the, it's a people business. Mm-hmm. And it's an empowering people business. Yeah. So um, before I close out, um, social medias and um I know you have birthfit.com. Fantastic website, by the way. Thank you. A lot you. of good information. Um, in addition to the website, where can our, our young followers follow you and, and as well as the, the old men like me? <laughs> well, Instagram. Uh, that's where things are popping. Uh, you can find birthfit on Instagram. You can also find all of our regional directors. So if you wonder if they're in your city, just type at birthfit underscore Dallas or whatever, and they'll pop up. Um, my personal Instagram is Lindsay underscore K underscore Matthews. And yeah, those two Instagrams are where you can find us. Uh, I'm at one Scott McGee on Instagram and the Sisu way. And the website is the Sisu way.com. One thing I want to, one, first of all, I love the, anyone listening that wants to reach out and have a, a conversation, I'm completely accessible and available. I think Lindsay is too. Yeah. Um, so we are like interactive people. This isn't just, we're not just people that you hit a play button on. <laughs> uh, I also want to point out that if you are interested in thoughts and some reflections, um, check out Lindsay's coffee talks mm. on her Instagram stories. They're fascinating. She does them generally in the morning. First thing in the morning. Right? And they're, they're uh, insightful. Not only that, but they're a look into, into, into you, but it's also a complete reflection to us. Because you're not necessarily just speaking from, you're speaking from a, 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 you know, a, a thoughtful human experience. Yeah. That is universal. Because I tell you, this, the, the, our struggles are unique, but the, the, you know, the, the adversity that we all face is, is universal. Yeah, so true. But thank you. Thank I'm you. I'm really super proud of you. And I also want to thank you for um, enlightening me. And this started a long time ago, by the way. The whole enlightening 
you know, Scott part. <laughs> no, I remember, I, I, I can remember specifically a moment when, um, who was, I think it was Tina Angelotti who was doing some lifting. She was pregnant and she was doing some barbell work. And I had like a question or something about it. And I kind of posed it in a way that wasn't from the right platform. And it came from a lack of knowledge. And from there and some, some uh, enlightenment and some education, I've learned a lot more about not only the, the, the pregnant females in training, but also f- just females in general. Yeah. And that's years ago. Yeah. I don't know if you ever knew that. So yeah. I just want you to know that. And, and so I continue to learn and, and look at and, and admire the, the absolute beauty that is the female. Females are pretty, yeah. pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And to close out, I'm going to go back to uh, uh, Rudy Kaur. This is from The Sun and Her Flowers. There are mountains growing beneath our feet that cannot be contained. All we've endured has prepared us for this. Bring your hammer and fist. We have a glass ceiling to shatter. <laughs> this is the Sisu Way. I'm Scott McGee. Thank you for your attention and, and time currency. I just want you to know I completely value that. And remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength. Strength is a choice. You are the captain of your soul. You are the master of your fate. Get up strong and be unconquerable. Thank you.